Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, and this is HFL number 138. And my guest today is Josh Petty. And this is a follow-up to the previous interview. Uh, the last one was with Henry Leck, the founder of the Indianapolis Children's Choir. And Josh uh, was brought up through the ICC and a protege of Henry's. And Josh is the current music director of the ICC. And um, I think you're going to enjoy this. It will ha help to have some context. So if you want to go back and listen to the interview with Henry uh, first, be my guest. Of course, <laughs> I can't control what you do. You can listen in any order you want. Uh, as long as you listen, that's that's great. Uh, but of course, before we get to Josh's interview, I've got to tell you about the show sponsors. Messina Covers is not just any other case company. David Messina and Erica Howard design and produce some beautiful cases that fit both form and function. And you can choose your case design, fabric and trim color, add custom engraving, and more. And of course, you can find out more at MessinaCovers.net. Peter Pickett and his crack team of craftspeople are continually innovating and providing the trumpet community with spectacular options for stock and custom mouthpieces. He and Eric Marine can help you find just the right size to fit your needs, and you should definitely consider trying the acrylic cup and rim. And if you're in the market for a custom trumpet, then Peter and Eric can build a Blackburn trumpet just for you. Check them out at PicketBlackburn.com. To stay current on what's going on with Studio HFL, you can follow me on social media on Facebook and Instagram, and you can watch the live and pre-recorded interviews on the YouTube channel. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe. My first experience with a Hammond design mouthpiece has turned into a bit of obsession. There is something very comfortable about playing one of Carl's mouthpieces. The comfort, response, and sound are part of the HD experience. Try one of the stock mouthpieces or have Carl make you a custom one. Either way, everything is better in HD, and you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, I hope you are, I would love it if you would take just a couple of minutes and go to Apple Podcasts to leave a star rating and a review. Doing so will help improve the visibility of this podcast and draw more listeners. When I first tried an Eastman B-flat trumpet, I was blown away by both the playability and the sound. And the more I found out about the company and got to know the people, I knew that this was a company I wanted to have a relationship with. There is a drive for excellence in design and production of every instrument, not just the high-end products. And the proof of this is that the one and only Doc Severinsen helped to design the Eastman Beginner trumpet model. I still play that B-flat and have added a spectacular cornet and flugelhorn to my arsenal, you can find out more at eastmanwens.com. I'd love it if you'd visit the Studio HFL website and sign up for the weekly newsletter. And while you're there, you can also visit the merch page and buy a Studio HFL shirt for yourself and as a gift for someone else. Of course, you can do that at studiohfl.com. My current situation with my C trumpet is a bit ridiculous. My Shire C, which Samantha Lane helped me trial and choose, is the most versatile C I've ever played. The same goes for the new Destino designed by Doc. This horn sizzles when I need it to sizzle and is as smooth as silk when I wear my sil... Uh, never mind. Uh, anyway, the line of Shire's trumpets includes the Q series, which are production models, and the custom series. Either way you go, you'll love the sound you get, and you'll also experience exceptional customer service. Find out more at seshires.com. 
Here's how you can access exclusive content like the interview excerpts. I'd like to invite you to become a part of the Studio HFL community by going to Patreon and choosing from one of the four tiers of support. You can help to financially support the show for as little as $36 a year. That's only $3 a month. Benefits include exclusive access to interview excerpts, a behind-the-scenes report, an invitation to be in the room with a guest during an interview, product discounts, and more. You can join the community of faithful supporters by visiting patreon.com slash studio HFL. And now, on with the interview. It's great to see you. Thanks. Thanks. You know, I, nice this is a... Seen. <laughs> and, and, it is right, and this would be the almost the time of year, right, that we would actually be together with uh, Rejoice or Angel Sing. Sorry, Rejoice Angel came Sing. up. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah. It's good. All the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, it it's it would be this next weekend. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we would start this coming week. I we'd see each other this this next week. So yeah, man, what strange Crazy. times. But, I know, uh, isn't it though? Isn't it? Yeah. Though? Have you been? Good, good. Busy. Um, <laughs> I think we all have been busy. I, I think, you know, it's, um, there are, I, I like to say there are positives and negatives about this. I try and dwell as much on the positives, you know, um, since I've been with ICC for, I don't know, 20 years now, it's, I don't have many family dinners. And since the pandemic, I've had more dinners with my family. Has it been um, great? You know, so there are positives. There, there are great things about that. Um, then the negative is not seeing people and not being able to make music the way we are. But um, I've learned a lot. I think the choirs learned a lot. I think a lot of organizations have learned a lot that we can continue and carry on in the future that will help make us better and stronger. So I just try and dwell on that and let the other give the other stuff to God that I can't control. So you know, uh, amen to that. Right. Oh, but you yeah. know what? It just occurred to me if if we and that could be a collective ICC, uh, Indianapolis Youth Orchestra, whatever, and, and even individuals, if we can survive this, yeah, we could probably survive <laughs> just about anything. Right. Yeah. 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 I did tell the uh, the board of directors, you get one pandemic with me. <laughs> I don't know if I could do another one. <laughs> So that yeah. you get one one pandemic per artistic director, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's in the in your contract, there's got to be a quota, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I get a sabbatical next pandemic. <laughs> wow. So yeah. Well, um, your family's doing well. Yes. Yeah, we're doing really well. You know, um, I think one of the the things that um surprises me the most is how resilient kids are with all of this i know uh, i think once they, you get into middle school and high school there's a little bit more issues with being um uh away from community and such mm -hmm. but you know my my kids are still pretty young so i i feel like they're like i said trying to do as many good things as possible with them yeah, yeah for the for the most part we're all good we're all healthy um, so hopefully knock on wood, wherever my wood is, it stays. Yeah. Like, so. You know, you're so right. Kids are resilient and which means really, I, I look at this as we have a responsibility to model for them exactly what, yeah. you know, I mean, if we panic, they're probably going to panic. If, exactly. If, if we 
take that breath and step back and just, you know, we got to take this in stride. This is the way it is. You know, there's kids, this, this is, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's one of the things I think we do have to remember is our, our kids are always watching us. They, they, we are an example for them. And, and especially, you know, when we did the initial shelter in place, hunker down, however the governor would like to say it, um, you know, we were it that we were the only people they were seeing except maybe when it was nice days and we'd go for a walk you know but yeah. that was the interaction and and if laura and i weren't handling it well they weren't going to handle it well you know so it was like okay well today yeah we've got to do online school but what can we do to make it fun so you know today is you know disney day or or you know <laughs> um you know pajama day or we did crazy hair day as a family and you know we tried to do different things that um made it fun for them um and i think the hardest thing is um and i was talking with this with some other people is we're sort of just we keep kicking the can down the road thinking oh it's going to be over here oh no Mm. it'll be over there and and not okay let's talk long term let's talk way in the future of how this is really going to be because we're, we're in this for a long game you know when this first started i can remember i was doing weekly um updates for the children's choir i do a new mm-hmm. video every week trying to give them an update on where we were and everything right. and you know it was like first it was easter right and that didn't happen and then it was okay once we get to the summer when we get to june we'll we'll be able to gather together and then finally the the you know nail final nail in the coffin is we're, we're gonna have to do all this virtually we're not going to be able to gather as large groups. And and so, um, you know, I've quit trying to figure out kicking the can. I've tried to figure out, okay, we're going to plan on this into next year. The rest right. of the season is this way. Next season, we know there are going to be certain realities that we're still going to have to live with because we won't have herd immunity. The vaccine's not going to be to everybody. So you're going to, we're going to have social distancing probably. We're going to have masks. How does that look for concerts? What does that look for rehearsals? You know, and, and trying to, to, you know, I think we, the more we can model that, that this is going to be with us for a while and how we handle yeah. that is, is, you know, um, our choosing. We did a, in, in our rehearsals, we're doing these leadership sort of modules. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we've gone back all virtual, we're not rehearsing for an hour and 15 minutes or so. We do about 15, 20 minutes of leadership modules. And um, one of them was on attitude and we talked about attitude and and every morning you have the choice to, to choose. Am I going to go one way or am I going to go another way? And how can we model that um, even during this time? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things we talked about was it's okay to say this stinks. It's okay <laughs> to say, yeah, I don't like this, but we have to accept that. We have to realize this stinks. This is the reality. This is where we are. But what can we do to make it better? What can we do to get through it? Um, one of the singers said, but... Like if you're in an abusive relationship and you just try and keep putting a positive attitude, I'm like, yeah, that that's a little different. A little bit. <laughs> that, that's a little different one. You need to get out of that one. Um, and there's no positive on that one. The positive is you figuring out how to leave that. But, yep. but this is this is something different. And when you're in a in a situation like this, how do you do that? Or when you're interacting with your colleagues at work or school or, or wherever, how do you put a positive spin on that? And um, look at things like you know. If it's raining outside, yeah, it's raining outside, but maybe we needed the rain. <laughs> right. You know, right. Or that's going to give yep. you an opportunity to do something, something else that needs to exactly. get done. Exactly. That, that reminds me of uh, uh, one of my favorite Tony Robbins quotes. 
it was, uh, you can either complain about the lack of resources or you can be resourceful, yep. right? I don't have this, I don't have that, or I'm going to make do with what I have, right? I mean, it's, it, it kind of relates to what you're talking about, yeah. you know, yeah. it is making the best of the situation you're in, you know, and yeah. you do, you have a choice. Right. And, and that was something, you know, when the pandemic started, that was one of the things that the staff and I talked about and, and we, we kept hearing, well, we can't, we can't. And I said, I got that. I think we all have the list of we can't. Now, what can we do? We've got to focus on the can um, because focusing on the can is not going to get us anywhere. We, we've got to keep focusing on the, the can. What can we do for the kids? What can we do for the families? What can we do to keep community uh, alive and music going? Because I think that was one of the hardest things when this all started is, um, you know, singing stopped. Community singing, that that sense of, of the community's voice in, in be it churches, wherever, it stopped. It was silenced. And I think that that was something that no one was ready for. Uh, no one was ready to cope with. And I think we're still mourning that. Uh, as we're we're working through this because we're seeing some of that come back, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and how are we going to keep that the the people's voice alive during this time? So yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> uh, here's here's a little play on words. You said you kept kicking the can down the road. How about you keep kicking the can't down the road? Yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm going to yeah. use that. Let's put keep that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, keep kicking the can't down the road. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I have had a blast this week because um, I've talked to Susan Ketterman and Adam Bodoni with, uh, you know, New World slash Indianapolis. Youth Indianapolis yeah, yeah. And I've talked to Henry. <laughs> and it, well, I mean, I've learned so much. First of all, I didn't realize the history was really a short for both groups as it yeah. was. I mean, I thought you guys had been around since the 1800s, right? <laughs> well, uh, maybe not that long ago, but- Well, that would know, make it, Henry really old and Susan yeah, right. really old, right? <laughs> and they look great for their age. If that's yes, the they do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if 83 and 86, right? Right, 83 and 80, 83 for the for New World and- And, and 86, 86 for us, yep. Unbelievable yeah. that, you know, that these groups have, <laughs> have reached the scope that they have in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, yeah, truly. You know, it, with Henry, um, you know, he was on the cusp of the children's choir movement. Um, there wasn't really a lot of children's choirs, community choirs around the United States. I mean, there were a few, um, a few well-known ones. Um, Toronto was a big one in Canada. Um, and then the Chicago Children's Choir, which is sort of our cousin, which is what kind of sparked all of this here in mm -hmm. Indianapolis, and then Syracuse Children's Choir, and then probably one of the most famous ones in the United States was the Glen Ellen Children's Choir, also known as Anima now. And those were the big ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was no Cincinnati, there was, you know, uh, no Fort Wayne and St. Louis and all of those that we really think about now that, that have become standards, you know, Jacksonville, Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, and so in 86, we were on the cusp of it all. So yeah, it was really. You know, away. I didn't, I didn't think to answer or ask Henry about this, but do you suppose that the ICC has become the model for many of those groups? Yes. 
Yeah, and and um, we really have. Now Henry went and um, did a lot of studying. Uh, he uh, there was a um, workshop that Henry did with uh, up at at Glen Ellen Children's Choir uh, with Doreen Rao. Um, he went and visited Toronto with Gene Ashworth Bartle. Um, and then he came up with his own model, you know, that would work for Indianapolis. Um, and, and again, Chicago was a part of that, you know, going and seeing what a big difference it made in the lives of those kids there mm -hmm. and how it could music could really build community. Um, yeah, we have become a model. Um, Cincinnati, I know, is based off of us. Uh, St. Louis uses a lot of what we we use. There are other children's choirs from around the country that use our different our model of things mm -hmm. every year. Uh, we have people come and visit us and and work with us and see how we do things. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's uh, we weren't the initial start, but we were definitely part of that movement. The And, and Henry is, I don't want uh, sort of a grandfather to a lot of children's choirs. A lot of them mm -hmm. will will relate back to him and say, you know, you helped us. Uh, I I decided uh, Tacoma Youth, Youth Choir. Um, uh, is one of those uh, where uh, I know that that Henry was a big part of that one. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So so he's really like a grandfather to a lot of a lot of the directors. Yeah. yeah. What was your first involvement with ICC? Um, <laughs> this is an interesting story. Uh, um, so I, um, I will label myself a precocious freshman at Butler. Um, <laughs> and, um, I was really interested in conducting. Um, I had, um, been, uh, conducting our church choir from my hometown in Kokomo, uh, since I had been a freshman in high school, was a drum major. Um, so I was really interested in that. I would love to, you know, turn on uh, PBS and and watch whatever symphony they had playing. You know, a lot of times it was, uh, you know, the Dallas Symphony Orchestra or Boston Pops. And I would just sit there and watch. I used to, when we had, you know, VHS tapes, take a, a blank one <laughs> and put it in and record it so I could watch it later. Uh, right. You know, Bernstein was on, they would replay, you know, mm -hmm. the education series and I'd watch him and um, I was just fascinated with it. And so when I got to Butler as a music ed major, um, Henry was my choir director. He was the choir director for university choir, but Henry was also a really good friend of my uh, choir director from high school. Uh, Terry Lehman. They they were good friends from uh, Indiana Choral Directors Association. So mm -hmm. I kind of had this relationship a bit with Henry. And I asked when I was a freshman during my fir first semester, I'm like, so when do we start taking conducting? You know, because I had gone to mm -hmm. conducting camps for, you know, being a drum major and stuff and was working with my choir back at home. And I still was driving up on weekends to help conduct the choir at the church. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, when do I learn how learn my craft? You know, um, and they're like, not till your junior year. And I said, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, how in the world are you supposed to do your art when like you have basically two semesters and then you're thrown out there to the wolves and you're supposed to be teaching? Like, this is something that needs to be second nature to you so that you could be the best teacher you possibly can be. Because one of my favorite things to say is you are the visual representation of the music. You are not a metronome. You have to visually represent the music to your ensemble. 
And so I walked into Henry's office as a freshman. He's my choir director. I just knew him as head, you know, Mr. Leck, mm -hmm. my choir director. He was friends with my high school director. One of the reasons I went to Butler and said, Mr. Leck, I want to take conducting lessons and I know you teach them. And he's like, well, we don't really do that. And I said, well, why not? <laughs> so um, we went to the chair of the department, which was Stephen Stolen at the time, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. said, Josh wants to do this. And um, he said, well, what are the other uh, teachers, conducting teachers? And one was Eric Stark. Uh, the other was uh, Grichesky. And, and so they said, well, if Josh can test out of all the practicums, then he can study with you, Henry. And mm -hmm. Henry said, well, you know, he's done certain things, but could I have a couple of just basic lessons just to give him a fighting chance, basically? Right. So um, with that, um, I had a few lessons with Henry and then went into this room with an accompanist and the big conducting book. And they said, open to page 122 and conduct example three. I had no idea what they were asking me beforehand. All right. So, so it's, it's kind of sight reading, right? Sight yes, conducting. it was right. Exactly. And I would conduct it. And then they'd say, open up to page 322 and do, you know, example 52, you know, showing queuing on three or whatever, you know, and <clears> I <throat> tested out of all the basic conducting. <clears throat> and so as a freshman, I started taking private lessons with Henry. And as part of that, this this is your point. Sorry, it's a long story, but no, I, think I love makes, long stories. Keep going. <laughs> it makes sense to to how I got in there um, was to come to the Indianapolis Children's Choir. Now, my background, I went to a private school in Fort Wayne uh, for elementary. Then we moved up to Angola, went into public school and then moved to Kokomo. Um, I didn't know what a children's choir was. Hmm. Um, you know, in, in the parochial school, the kids sang for chapel, you know, that was kind of our choir, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I learned to read music because I, I read from a hymnal, you know, mm -hmm. my, my mom would sing tenor, my sister singing soprano and my dad singing bass. And so I'm learning from, from the right. church really. Um, so I, when Henry said, you have to come with me as part of your conducting to the Indianapolis children's choir rehearsals that I do, I was like, oh, okay, you know, room of, 50 kids, you know, maybe mm -hmm. third, fourth grade, maybe fifth grade, singing two parts, something. And I walk in and we were in the choir room at CTS at the time is where Henry's rehearsals were. Mm -hmm. And um, 82 chairs, that's how many chairs could fit in there. That wouldn't work today with socially distanced, but that's how many right. you could cram in that room, right? And 82 kids, middle school kids came walking in. And they were singing harder music than I was with Henry in the university wow. choir. And, you know, I mean, they were singing a Bach piece and Mozart. And then, of course, you know, they were getting ready for some patriotic thing and this. And and I'm just like, and he would hand them a piece of music and they just sight read it. These <laughs> middle school kids would just sight read it. And I'm just, and that was it. That was the end. 20 years later, I'm still here, you know, and that's how I got started. I was hooked. And uh, my journey started, though, watching. I sat next to Anna Briscoe and Martin Ellis by mm -hmm. the piano. I would watch what they would do. I would watch what Henry was doing. I have binders of notes, spiral notebooks, where I was taking notes about what Henry was doing. We talk about it at my lesson. And the first piece that I conducted um, with ICC 
was Mulholland's For a Child at Hilbert, and it's in 6-4, and I thought I was going to die, because it's one of those slow 6-4s where you oh. really have to show the whole 6. And there's queuing everywhere in it, not always on the same thing, and I just, that was my first one. My public debut, right? Um, I was sweating bullets, and man, did I practice that thing. And You know, then I had to teach it to them as well mm -hmm. what i you had, it wasn't i was just going to get up and wave my arms no you do the piece from the beginning to the end and that was my first piece with them and it was it was something it was something it, i could tell you it went I well i hope it did it did but when i walked off of that stage you would have thought i had just done a 30 minute symphony or something you know uh his yeah. You know, one of the things that um, when people come and work with us, too, that you have to realize um, is it's like sometimes you're driving, you know, a Ford or a Chevy. And then when you come and you work with the ICC, it's like, you know, driving the Porsche or the Mercedes. You know, it's like they go, you know, right. you just have to tap and it happens. Um, and and we have to learn not to take that for granted. Um, and how we teach that and how we're part of that. And, uh, you know, for me and my journey, um, I think that's why I had, I became who I became is, um, my style melded naturally with Henry. I know you probably saw that working with me for so many years that it was, uh, his, his daughters always called me mini Lex. Uh, after the first time I conducted on stage, they were like, dad, it's you. Oh my uh, gosh. But, but my, it wasn't, I was trying to intimidate him. Our, our styles just melded. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's why we became able to work so closely together. It's just because we fit naturally together. Um, but with it, I knew when I stepped on that podium that those kids expected me to be as good as Henry. And I don't think they realize how good Henry is. You know, it, you don't realize what you have until you don't have it kind of thing. Um, you know, or, you know, the prophet is never uh, accepted in his hometown kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. You, know, you can't right? be famous in your own backyard kind of right. thing. Right. Exactly. He was just Mr. Leck. And this is just what he expected. And I said, I was like put in one of those really high intensity incubators that. I, those kids would eat me alive if I wasn't ready to to do it. Um, and so I think that that's why I worked so hard um, because I knew I had to to be as good, not for Henry, but because the kids expected it because I didn't want to waste their time uh, in their rehearsal and what they were doing. Uh, they had a certain level of excellence and I had to be ready for that level of excellence. So I had to play catch up. Um, and so I worked my tail off mm -hmm. uh, during that time. So I was the student conductor from my freshman year until I graduated my senior year. And then Henry said, you know, we got a good thing going. Would you like to do a master's and be our assistant? And then I did my master's and then mm -hmm. I graduated with my master's. And he's like, so we got a good thing going. Do you want to keep conducting? And so it just, it just kept going, you know, so. There are, okay. So there are two things here. Now I've, <clears throat> I've played under your baton, right? Yeah. You, you yeah. are not, not only are you clear, which we appreciate. Thank you. Right? <laughs> but you're also very musical in, oh, in the way that you conduct. 
So there's the there's the stick technique from the podium. Yeah. But then there's also that the, the the other side is that leadership quality. And you know, in in the case where we're working together, there's what six or eight hundred kids. Yes. On stage. Yeah. And, and it's always blown me away that you or Henry or Ruth Dwyer or uh, Cheryl or any number of those that it's it's just like you've got twelve kids in front of you. It's just <laughs> right. I mean, it's just it's a much bigger bus. Yeah. Yeah. But you, it you drive it so smoothly. And, oh. you know, so, <clears throat> so really uh, what I was going to say is, um, oh, your conducting technique, right? Yeah. I have seen so many <clears throat> conducting students who they've never, they never probably sat and watched PBS and watched the Dallas Symphony oh. or Boston Pops or Bernstein, which would have been a great model. But, you know, that's, I think that's where you you've probably developed that you watched Henry conduct, you've watched good conductors, you know, mm -hmm. what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and so that's, I think, you know, contributed to why you're such a fine, you know, I know where to run when you throw the stick, right? <laughs> I'm glad, <laughs> I can, I'm, I can I'm chase glad to hear that. You know, I think one of the most intimidating things for a choral conductor is being with instrumentalist, because, um, we want to be really good for you guys, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, I, I think that's one of the things you're, you're totally right to work under so many different conductors to watch them. Um, I know it sounds really horrible. Like, you know, um, when I go to the symphony, I love watching the string players. It's beautiful and all that, but man, I watch Urbanski, you know, I'm, my eyes are on him the yeah. whole time. I'm like, what did that mean? I don't know what that meant. You know, um, Eric, I watch Eric Stark all the time when it's a choir. I mean, whoever is on the podium, Janet Himes here in, in Carmel, you know, David Bowden when he's here. I, I watch all of them. You know, Jack, I love watching Jack Everly. You know, I'm like, hmm, that was interesting, Jack. He, you know, he is one of my favorites, but uh, go ahead. You know, um, Raymond Lepard, holy moly. You know, I, I mean, I've watched so many people and and I feel like with that, though, I take little bits, I, I would jot notes in programs, you know, and stuff. And, and then that little bit becomes a, an arrow in my quiver that I can pull out and ah, they used that. Okay. You know, that technique worked there. Oh, I noticed this guy shows lots of line. This guy shows lots of beat, you know, and, and why does that work with this one and that one, you know? And, and so, um, I always think that's interesting because that's one of the things, um, like I said, that I think is most intimidating for choral directors is, is we want to be really good for instrumentalists. And most choral directors, the only thing they've ever seen is maybe their orchestra conductor or their band director in their school. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's, I'm going to tell you a quick story. This just came to mind. I bet this is probably 15 years ago. Uh, there was a, a church group up in Fort Wayne and uh -huh. thank goodness, I don't remember the name cause you know, it, it would be embarrassing to them, but <clears throat> they were doing the rudder Gloria. Oh, and so the, the guy had prepared his choir and they sounded terrific, but he had not, he had never conducted the orchestra. So what happened is the first rehearsal, he was conducting the, the, the vocal pattern. He wasn't <laughs> conducting the meter. Right. So we're, we're like, after the first beat, it's like, where the heck are we? So we get to the performance. It fell apart in the first movement. 
halfway through and he and he quietly whispered let's go to the second movement like we didn't even attempt to finish it on in the performance <laughs> oh, no. it was it was horrible just horrible <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, back on track, you know, one of the things I like uh, about Hilbert or any place I get to go watch a concert is I like sitting up on the stage terrace. Yes. So I can watch, I almost said stage terrorist, stage terrace. You can watch the orchestra, but you can also see the conductor's face. And that's something I appreciate too, because stick technique is one thing, but what you communicate with your Visual. face and you said it earlier, you have to show the music, right? It's not just yes. with a stick. It's yeah. it's with, if you're conducting Beethoven, you either have to give that joyous look or you have to give that right, yeah. that sinister yeah. look or wherever it belongs. And, you know, I think that's another thing I really appreciate about fine conductors is they show all of that. Well, I have an interesting story about that. So um, Michael W. Smith wrote a piece called Glory. I don't, have you ever done done that that I, work. I don't recall it's so it's it's very interesting it, it's it's a liturgical work um mm -hmm. and it's it's about life of jesus and stuff and um so our church wanted to put this together and they asked me to to conduct it so uh, of course being michael w smith it has a very grand piano part but it's it's a full orchestra and it it models the life of jesus and so when it comes to the Good Friday part, it's um, it reminds me almost of like Darth Vader, Star Wars, like it's mm. dark. Mm -hmm. And um, if you haven't heard it, I I'd recommend people go listen to it. It's it's really mm -hmm. good. There's there's one movement that reminds me a little bit of Harry Potter. I mean, it, there's a lot of technique used in it. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, the way we uh, performed it was at our our Fisher's campus, and there was a an area off to the side where people could see a little, like you said, more of me mm -hmm. uh, from the front. And my, my pastor there uh, was was sitting over there. And when it came to that part, he said, I never want to meet Josh in a dark alley because I know he could take me out. <laughs> like it, That's how intense that moment was. Um, because you're right we become the music uh, and our job is to communicate to you what needs to happen and it's not just in that baton technique it is in our whole mm -hmm. body um mm -hmm. and uh you know it that movement was that movement was something and went and and i should tell you my pastor is six six he's a big guy <laughs> and that he thinks i can take him out like that that's pretty so you know yeah. that's something yeah. Well, you're over six feet, aren't you? You you could. No, I'm just six, so <clears throat> well, I, I just well. look grander on the podium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's steer back towards uh, children's choir for just a second. Um, yeah. At, at what point uh, did you either approach Henry or Henry said to you, "I'm going to step back," or you you were going to ask him, "Hey, when are you leaving?" <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, when when did that happen where you realized that you you were going to be taking the reins or there was a possibility uh, that you would take the reins? Yeah. So we. Henry chose me a long time before I ever knew it. Um, he he started planting seeds and molding. And um, when I did take over, I actually said to him, you know, Henry, you've been around the world. You know almost everybody 
I mean, he's he's famous everywhere. And out of everybody, you chose me. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think we all suffer from those insecurities uh, and those self-doubts and such. And Yeah, that um, little voice up here on our shoulder, right? That, that says I'm not good enough. Exactly. Um, and uh, he, I said, why me? And he said, because you're the guy that kept showing up. <laughs> you know, I didn't go away. Uh, I kept learning. That was the one thing I wanted to keep learning. I knew I was growing and I could become better. And, you know, I'm still growing. There are so many things I still want to do and still learn. And um, so when it became official, I can remember that there had been a board meeting and there was a Bob Evans on 71st Street and 465. Um, I think that one is closed now. Uh, but we met with Don Steffi, the executive director, Henry and myself. They asked if I could come and meet with them. And I was given a letter of intent from the board of directors to make me the next artistic director. I can't tell you exactly what year that was. Um, but then the, that was the start of the transition of, okay, Josh is now coming alongside me and, and we're going to do everything together. And then um, 10 years ago, Annabelle had just been born. So I, I, it, when kids are born and it lines up with something, it yep. makes it really easy to remember, right? Yep. Um, I moved full-time to the ICC. I'd been part-time with them. And then 10 years ago, I had moved in full-time. So that was five years before Henry's retirement. And um, over that five years, we mapped out that every year I would take on a little more and a little more. And the final year, his his year of his retirement, I had full admin, administrative and artistic responsibility. And he was still there. And I would take things to him and we would make decisions together. But then when he retired, when that baton passed that next day, it was just like he didn't come into the office and we were still moving. Um, so it was five years of us working very, very closely when the, the official transition had started. But and, lots and he of told me things were happening. Yeah. And he told me once that, that transition happened, he said, I wanted to, to be gone. He said, physically move, right? That's when he moved to Bloomington because he, he, he wanted it to be your thing. Yeah. And he I moved. think that's, that may not happen in, in a lot of transitions, right? Where people just want to no. still hold on to some, some bit of power along that. So, I mean, kudos to him for for just literally handing the baton over and saying see you later although he well, did say that you know you i mean obviously you still communicate and, and oh yeah we, he says you we, still ask questions about things but yeah we talk every couple of weeks or so you know um and uh drop emails and text and and stuff and um what was really funny is so um the baton passing happened and then it was the next week that he was moving to Bloomington and he came in one day and he cleaned out his office and we didn't know exactly what was going on. Like we knew he was moving stuff, but we didn't realize like he was really moving. And yeah. I called him. I'm like, Henry, <laughs> what's going on? He's like, I've moved out of my office. It's yours now. Get in there. And I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, you know, because um, when, yeah, when the baton passing happened, it was, it was just that he was no longer going to come into the office. He didn't need the office. It was mine to go into. Um, 
but the thing that um got me the most with the transition that I was not ready for um was not the leadership was not the conducting was not the kids it was Henry was and still is my best friend hmm. and wow um it <laughs> I get a little teary I talking about it I had lost my best friend that I was seen every day at work and um, after rehearsal, you know, he'd be in my office or I would be in his office and we'd just shoot the breeze for half an hour, 45 minutes. And our wives would call, they'd almost call at the same time, Meredith and Laura, where are you talking to Josh, talking to Henry? Okay. Can you guys please wrap it up? <laughs> you know, um, we would call each other when we were going to conferences and stuff and be like, what are you wearing to this? You know, I mean, our lives were just so intertwined and I don't know if he shared this with you. There's a special, the baton that was passed is a very special baton. There are three made. One he has, one I have, and one is the official one that's sort of in the case. Mm -hmm. um, but it has three strands, uh, it has strands on it that are interwoven. And that's supposed to be our lives because Henry's life wow. and my life are interwoven. Um, and the ICC, we're all intertwined together. Um, and, and that baton, you know, um, I think says it all, um, you know, so, uh, I think the hardest thing too, about taking over for Henry, the good thing and the bad thing is that I am very, very protective of his legacy. Um, and I won't let anything happen to that. I will. Mm -hmm do everything I can to protect it. Even though he's like, it's yours now do, you know? Right. Um, and it's not like I have in the back of my head, what would Henry do? Um, but that those core values, his core values are my core values. We line up. And so it's always going back to those things of why are we here? Why are we doing this? Why did we start in the first place? And why are we who we are today? And how mm -hmm. do we keep doing that? Um, well, th yeah. see, that's why it makes perfect sense for you to be the one who who had taken over. Because first of all, even though you hadn't sung in the choir, right? Right, you, I did not. You had, no. but you were a part of that group for a very long time. You knew the group; they knew you. You knew the city; the city knew you. Yes. So you know, doing a national search would not have made sense, right? For somebody to come in from the outside who might appreciate the legacy, but not to the same depth, the same degree. And to understand uh, somebody here who knows the importance of that community and the value to the greater community of Indianapolis and all these surrounding areas, you know, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it made perfect sense, right? For you to be, there, for you to be there. There are a lot of choirs that we have seen go through transitions um, and they haven't been smooth. I think this is, I think Chorus America has documented ICC as one of the mm. smooth transitions because we had a plan um, because we put the plan in place prior to to things happening mm -hmm. um and you know uh toronto jean ashworth bartle um when she planned to retire it was a clean break she was like i'm retiring on this date here's the break and then she was done but wow. there was no one that that came in you know um and and now they're do they're doing okay but they they had this kind of oh what you know what are we going to do? Um, and, and so whenever we look at those transitions, uh, if we can give advice to any children's choir who's looking to transition, start it sooner rather than later and find that person, bring them in 
and make sure they match up with you and then walk with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important for ICC too, because um, I know people make fun of it, but our Hoosier values, what's important to us, people that live here in Indiana, this Midwest mentality, um, I think is really, really important. And sometimes we take it for granted and um, sometimes we don't realize how much it really means to us. And so mm-hmm. um, having, like you said, that sense of community, knowing it and being able to continue on with it, um, just like nothing, Henry just didn't come in today. Okay, we're going on. You know? Yeah. So you can't just sit Right. I mean, even if let's say even if Henry were still in charge, you still have to be innovative. Right. You still have to, to find a way to grow, uh, to improve relationships through the community, to find new ways to reach membership and and of course, fundraising on, on, on that sort of thing. But um, what kind of things are you thinking as far as the future of ICC? Um, and, you know, okay. So this is funny. It's popped in my head. You're going to put a, you're going to put a children's choir on the moon, right? <laughs> right, right. We're yeah. going to be the first one on the moon, right? Right. Um, you know, first of all, I think I always thought, um, even when Henry was here, it was sort of a bullseye effect. You know, you have to really focus, continually focus on your home core group, right? Uh, we need to continually focus on what we need to do here in Indianapolis. We have a lot of things happening, you know, in our Indianapolis community, and especially lately, you know, with um, the Black Lives Matter and social justice and and all of these things um, uh, that have come to the forefront and that we really need to tackle. And we're one of those perfect entities to help tackle that um, because we truly are ambassadors for our community because we we are a reflection of all of the people within our community. And so how we can battle that, but then it ripples out, right? And so now with technology, how can we reach out and help others? How can we help them and train them and get them involved? Um, So we actually launched a new program called ICC Connects where anyone from anywhere in the world can now come in uh, virtually into our rehearsals and train with us uh, and we give them support. we partnered with uh, WebEx, which is hosted by Cisco, and we've been working very closely with them uh, on on their music mode technology and how we can work on that and what we can do. Um, and and so we're we're kind of like, how can we focus here, but how can we focus out and help our our core core group still? Um, you know, there are places I still want to sing. Uh, we've been on every continent except Antarctica and there are now cruises that go to Antarctica. So I'm Mm. not ruling that one out. Um, you know, there are, I think there are great major works yet to be done. I would love to do commission some new works. Uh, of course that's always funding, how to find that funding. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I think the sky's the limit with all of it. But with all of it, I want to continue to have the highest standard of excellence in mm-hmm. with our artistic product. Never um, to let that wane and to help create better citizens for tomorrow, to help mm-hmm. build better people through through music. That's, that's why I do what I do. That's what I wake up every morning thinking about. Um, how can we make this world a better place? How can mm-hmm. we make our community a better place through the power of music? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, 
You know, I think I think there's tons of stuff. I mean, one kid asked me, you know, you you're doing a podcast now, and he, one kid asked me last night. He's like, Mr. Petty, why don't you do a podcast? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Who want to hear anything I have to say? <laughs> you know. Well, so, I mean, that's why I called you. I thought you would have <laughs> some great things to say, and you have. Uh, you know, um, so I think there's so many opportunities. You know, um, Henry is always inspiring to me because not only is he, he one of my best friends, but you know, he's my mentor and he's such a Renaissance guy. I don't know if you talked about this, but you know, he's, he's got into painting now yeah. and, and he paints and he's selling his paintings and they're beautiful. You know, I have a couple of his paintings here in my home, um, that he did for us. And, um, I'm just like, is your talent never ending, man? You know, uh, and, and so I think it, it's that striving to keep being better. You know, I myself am uh, not only a singer, but a pianist and organist. And so now, you know, with COVID, I've taken more time to get back into my practicing, into that part of my art um, and practicing my singing more and, you know, really getting into that and making sure I'm the best I can possibly be. And I think that that's one of the things that if I'm the best I can possibly be, my singers are going to be the best they can possibly be. And then um, things are naturally going to happen. Um, and uh, one of the <laughs> funny things that, you know, kind of came out of the story when you were asking how I got involved with ICC. I never interviewed. If you notice any of that, I didn't interview. Right. Um, well, yeah, you did. It just was over a period was, of years, right? <laughs> it, I like to say it was the longest running season of the apprentice ever. Right. <laughs> yeah. But 15, instead of you're fired, you're hired. Yeah, right. Exactly. It was 15 years long, you know, kind of thing. Um, but it, there was never that, that, um, uh, interview. So it was little increments and they're finding things out. But, you know, as we were talking about earlier, I, I truly believe that there is a plan for me, that God has a plan and I just need to walk through the doors when they are open and keep going to them. And one of the things that I talk about when I'm working with, you know, college students and lecturing and being a guest teacher is the one thing I always leave them with is get involved, get involved with things. You know, I think too many of us wait until we, you know, we say, oh, well, I'm not going to do X, Y, or Z because I don't have my degree. So I'm going to wait, mm. or I'm not going to do this because, you know, I haven't done these things. Well, why? Who, who said that that's the way it has to happen? Who said that you can't come and intern? Who said that you can't help and do this? You know, um, we need to look for opportunities and when we find them, uh, go walk through the door because it's only going to make you better. It's going to make you stronger. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one of the things I tell everybody, get involved, get out there, get your hands dirty, get the experience. Cause you know, when you go to interview, you're going to be heads and tails above the other people then if you, yeah. if you do all that. So am, am I too old to, to join the choir? No, you could you know, join the choir. I think being being hanging around you, I think, would be fantastic. Right, the, <laughs> the amount of energy, the positivity is is terrific. Well, I think we need that. You know, yeah. we need to be positive, and and you know, we we feed off of each other's energy, and that's one of the things we talked about in our leadership moment when we were talking about attitude. Um, you know, I said, how many of you come into rehearsal sometimes in a bad mood, and you know, half the hands raise up, and I said, how many of you leave in a better mood? And they're like everybody. I'm like, exactly. 
right? We feed off of each other's energy. That positive energy that we're able to bring um, mm-hmm. is just, you know, um, even through a straight a screen, talking with with the kids, right. you know, uh, after I we started doing our first virtual rehearsals after we were shelter, sheltering in place, I, I couldn't go to sleep that night. I was so excited. I was <laughs> so excited. You know, it, it, it just, it is wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So... Um, a, a little bit of a left turn here. Um, thinking about some, well, I mean, you've already talked about some highlights, but are there performances that just stand out remarkably above others for, for various reasons? I, it, it could, and I'm not looking for embarrassing moment kind of things, unless you've got some <laughs> where of those. I, and, where I tripped up the podium or something, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, well, I do have an embarrassing one. And this has nothing to do with the children's choir, but it has to do with Henry. So um, our church, one of the first things that that they had asked me to conduct one of their their bigger works. Uh, so we were doing the Foray Requiem and the Hein Te Deum. And we started with the Hein Te Deum and I had stepped on the podium and we had tuned and everything. And I started and, you know, and all of a sudden my cufflink is undone. And it's flapping. And the bassist <laughs> is right here. Like I'm watching my cufflink yeah. like almost leave. And it, it, you know, or I'm sorry, the hind tail is done. Da, 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 you know, and, mm-hmm. and there's and when they first come in, it's not one of those boom, and then they come in, it's on the fly they come in. Right. I missed the cue because I was watching the the first one. Tay, tay, tay. They came in on the second one, but the first one was. Because I was watching my cufflink and I, I didn't stop, but my cufflink was like, and I'm like, if it comes off, it's going to hit the bassist. And of course, who's in the audience, but Henry. And I think, okay, we recovered that really, really well. And afterwards he goes, missed your first cue there, didn't you? But then I got him back because I said, well, if I remember correctly, when I was singing in, rejoice when i was under your baton sir you missed the cue to the opening of Bach's magnificat too and he's like yeah i did (laughs) (laughs) touche right we all have those moments Um, yes we do uh so you know and it was it's one of those moments that that just reminds you 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 are human and Mm -hmm. and you have to to say you are human and you screwed up and okay, you screwed up. Now let's move on. How do we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves right. off and move on? Um, great moments. Um, I can remember the first time walking out onto Carnegie Hall stage uh, and conducting that group. Um, it was an amazing group of kids, young adults, really. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a picture of that, that someone caught of me walking out the first time onto that stage and it just you know that was really neat um do you you recall what the program was so we had been asked to go out with symphonic choir to sing zabur with them and they were premiering that out in carnegie hall so we sang the children's choir part of their original commissioned work zabur that we had done here in indianapolis um the program though uh was based upon what the children sang in Zabur. So in our own words, using our own music. 
So the children represented both angels and children in a refugee camp in Syria for wow. that work. Um, and Zabur is about if David were living today in Syria in a bomb shelter, how would his Psalms be written? And so um, our uh, piece, you know, we, we sang the words of the children that, you know, when, when uh, they were being asked, what, what, what would you tell people if you could tell people anything? And they'd say, well, we're hungry. We'd love some chocolate. Can we even tell you that we saw our parents killed in front of our own, own faces? Wow. You know, and then we would sing from the angel's point of view of comfort. And so we programmed, um, I programmed uh, Randall Stroop DSRA because the opening of Zabur is the bombing. And it just starts with almost shouting from the adult chorus. And so we started with this DSRA. And I mean, it was just intense. Um, and then uh, on there was a... Um, a piece by Jim Papoulis that was an uh, Arabic piece. We sang in Arabic. Um, we sang the Billy Joel lullaby, um, which just brought them to tears. Mm -hmm. um, what else did we sing? It was it was six songs. And when we walked off, um, the the stagehand who was there had had stopped me and said, "I I don't think I've ever heard a better children's choir." in my, my time of being here. This guy works at Carnegie Hall for pity's sake, you know. Um, there is that moment. There are other moments, you know, where um, I can remember we were in um, on tour and I was with Henry and, and Meredith. We were in Austria and we were in the Vodafkirche in, uh, in Vienna. And um, I can remember standing by one of the pillars and watching Henry conduct the kids. And I just started crying. He just, and Meredith standing next to me, Henry's wife, just like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I never thought in a million years I would do this. You know, when I started, I was going to go to college and was going to get my degree. I was going to go back to Kokomo, take over for my high school director, um, I was going to be a high school director because that's where real music is made because we all know that, you know, and my life totally changed. It totally took a different, different road. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah. You know, and um, but I, I, I mean, there are those moments, you know, uh, there are those moments of terror. I mean, the first time I've stood in front of instrumentalists, I, I don't know if you know how intimidating you guys are to to coral people, you know. Ooh, see, you're not supposed like to admit that up. to us. And oh, okay, I never feel that at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I can remember shaking so much. My hand is like shaking, and, and you know, uh, you guys are so gracious, and and oh, it was great. You know, and I'm, okay, good, good. Glad you understood what I was trying to do there. Um, I remember one time I was doing a. Um, a honor choir for uh, a, our church gathering. And uh, we, we were singing Jerusalem, the golden, that was the, uh, the, the finale. And I was conducting the orchestra and, and the choir. And this trumpet player came up to me and said, I almost put down my trumpet and started singing for you. Wow. And I was like, 
thank you. I'm glad you didn't because your part was important. <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, there are those moments, and it, I always think it's interesting because um, when I do honor choirs and all states and stuff, you have to put together something incredible in a very short amount of time. You know, in a few hours, you have two days, and basically maybe you have eight hours of rehearsal. And yeah, they know their parts coming in, but you've got to bond with them. I mean, making music is such a personal thing. Um, because you're opening up, no one has the same voice. No, no one's voice is the same. It's so personal to, to share that with people. And so I always do this get to know you thing. And so if they do something really well, they need to take a vocal rest. And the easiest way to get them to rest their voices is for me to talk and, because then they have to be quiet, right? And normally it's elementary or middle school kids that I have. And so I, I, I'll say, you know, this is this is your get to know me time. You can ask me any question as long as it's appropriate. I am an open book. Middle name, where I was born, favorite food, favorite color. Do I listen to this or do I not? You know, um, and I because I need them to bond with me as quickly as possible, and I need them to trust me. Mm -hmm. And unless they know who I am, how can I trust a stranger? Um, and so one of the things they always ask me is, "What's your favorite choir?" That's the hardest thing to ask because every choir is unique. Every choir is different. Um, and I enjoy everyone that I'm in front of. Um, everyone has unique talent. Everyone has unique challenges. Um, and no choir is ever the same. You know, even though the Indianapolis Children's Choir has been here for 35 years, it is not the same choir. And because our students are always changing. My top ensemble, even though it's the top ensemble, only retains about 40 to 50% of those singers and the other ones are moving on to the next group. Yeah. So I may have a core, but the next year it's not even the same ensemble because it's a different group of people. And I think we always have to remember that. And so, you know, you ask about unique times and places. There's so many, there, there are just so many of those, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, first time the children's choir sang to my daughter, Annabelle, you know, Annabelle was born, uh, premature. She was in the NICU. The first time they saw her was at Angel Sing. And when we brought her up for the choir to meet her, they started singing Night of Silence to her. And it was just one of those most beautiful moments ever. Um, two years ago, um, the choir brought me down before the last concert to the um, green room of, of clues. They said they had to give me their end of year gift. And I was like, okay, you know, so I'm coming down and I'm like, I got to get changed too, you know, cause I hadn't mm -hmm, changed mm -hmm. yet. And they surrounded me and they started singing, uh, the song from beauty and the beast, uh, the live action one that Celine Dion, how does a moment last forever? And I just, I'm like bawling, you know, uh, there's just so many moments just so wow. many moments, wow. you know, that, you know, I, I can't pick one. I'm sorry. I keep telling you. That's all okay. <laughs> That's okay. And, you know, uh, there, and there are many more in front of you, right? There are many more of those uh, ahead. I hope so. Um, I hope so. Yeah. Um, th this has been great. I, I've, <laughs> I've, I've had a blast chatting Good. with you and finding out uh, all these great things. Um, so, what I would like, uh, and I know there are some recordings, hopefully many recordings, but I want to be able to incorporate some of those into yes. this. Yes. So if there are some that 
that come to mind like, oh, this would be a great representation of, and, and mm -hmm. under your direction, right? I mean, yeah. I've, I asked Henry the same thing, you know, of course, thanks for uh, that he had directed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, it could be the, I can't remember the, the thing you said you did at Carnegie, the really uh, oh, the DSRA, some of those things. Yeah. No, the yeah, the what was the other big piece? Uh, the name oh, of the, the city uh, or country? Zar Zarba? I can't. Oh, Zabur. 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 Yeah. Zabur. Yeah. Uh, good. I'm glad I can edit out my my transposition. Oh of no, the, you're, you're the good. There. You're good. Um, yeah, but I, you know, that would be great. Anything uh, along yeah. the line there. So. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't know if you're interested, but I mean, once I get this edited, if uh, you want to make this available to ICC, We'd right? I mean, the, they might enjoy oh, seeing, seeing the whole thing, right? Yeah, they would so, love it. And Henry's good. too. I know they would really enjoy that. You know, it, one of the things that's really interesting is we're now getting away from Henry and I'll say Henry Leck and they're like, who's Henry Leck? Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? Who's <laughs> Henry Leck? These guys started this thing, you know. Right. Um, but that's yeah. we're just getting far enough that these younger kids, they yeah, they don't know who he is. So yeah, yeah. Well, to have take solace, story. take solace in the fact that someday they'll say uh, Josh Petty, and somebody will be like, "Who's that?" I know. <laughs> they say that already. <laughs> uh, well, man, this this has been great. I I really appreciate the time. Oh, and, my uh, pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. I'm glad uh, to share you know, ICC story. Take bye, care. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining me today for my interview. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to hear more, you can visit patreon.com slash studiohfl. By becoming a supporter, you can have access to content that is exclusively available to my Patreon patrons, which would include excerpts from interviews, I'd also like to remind you to visit Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and a review, and don't forget to follow me on social media. Thanks again for being here and listening, and I hope you come back for another interview next time around.